Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Get your price. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Again, to lose at home. Um, you know, very good football team. Um, so was, there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of, um, but you should feel that. I mean, if you're putting effort and energy and time and passion into this thing, it's gonna hurt when you lose. That's 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 the nature of it. If it doesn't hurt, something's wrong. That's JJ Watt of the Arizona Cardinals yesterday, reflecting on the frustration of losing another game at home. To the Cardinals' credit, uh, over the last, I don't know, what, how many games is it now, going back to midway uh, through through last season, after they last won at home, they've been able to turn the frustration of losing at home into uh, being able to win on the road. And that is what mm-hmm. they faced this week in a place where they've had success, again, going to Seattle. Um, interestingly enough, this has been one of those rivalries where the road team usually thrives. That's, that's yeah. been the pattern. Last year was kind of the outlier with the uh, Cardinals. Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, 2020 was the outlier in 2018 mm-hmm. when the uh, Seahawks swept them in both games. But J.J. Uh, Watt and the defense, <clears throat> they're going to have their work cut out for them this week. It's not, you know, it's, it's not. When you look at an offense that is headed up by Geno Smith, you think, oh, wow, it's Geno Smith. He's got to come back down to earth at some point. Well, he hasn't yet, and he still has two very good receivers, right. although Tyler Lockett was limited in practice that's yesterday. That's huge to me. I, if Tyler Lockett is compromised, I think that's a big advantage to the Arizona Cardinals. I think one of the areas they can get in trouble with with this game is if this is really if this is really uh, a long-awaited ascension from a quarterback who's been in the league almost a decade now, then then I think it's going to happen with those two huge weapons on each side of them. Uh, but I also think what's interesting about this, at least uh, from a Cardinals perspective, Vance Joseph, I, I've made the case that he might be the MVP of the team so far. Um, it, 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 certainly you could narrow it down on individual defensive players like maybe Byron Murphy Jr. or Zach Allen or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in terms of just overperforming, over-delivering based on expectations. Vance Joseph, to me, is at the front of all of this. And now it's Vance Joseph and Geno Smith. Can Vance Joseph tilt this game to the Cardinals' favor? Can Vance Joseph be the defensive coordinator who stops this? Yeah. Who, who who takes us from reality and shapes it back as that that was a fantasy. Vance Joseph had his media session yesterday, too. One of the questions he was asked, Bick, was, did you ever imagine you'd lose sleep over facing Geno Smith? Not really. You know, I didn't I didn't watch Geno. I kind of heard the numbers, but watching him all week, I mean, he's done some special stuff. Obviously, the guy's talented, right? He was a second-round pick, should have been a first-round pick years ago. I mean, it's 10 years now, I think. You know, so a time flies, but, you know, sometimes guys sit for a while and they kind of see the big picture and they learn from the past, and he has done that. I mean, he's playing controlled. He's reading defenses, keeping plays alive. He's putting them in good plays. When you watch it, you can't say it's it's not real. It's real. I mean, he is playing his butt off. So it's going to be a challenge again for us to get those guys stopped with the two receivers in the run game. But that's every week for in this league, you know. I mean, everyone's got guys, and it's tough out every week. And unlike mm-hmm. the Cardinals offense, the Seattle offense has been predicated by the big play, whether it's through yeah. passing or their run game. 
Uh, Vance Joseph talked about Seattle's big playability. I'm not surprised because of 14 and 16. Obviously, I mean they're both number one receivers, and they've been good players for a long time. Uh, Geno's playing at a high level, and that's surprising. Obviously, he hasn't played in a while, but he is playing at a high level. I mean his 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 arm talent is special. He can make every throw. Um, he's made some big time throws in traffic. He's scrambling around making you know broken plays, and that's scary, obviously. But um, it's a offense that has two you know two great receivers and the quarterback who's playing well and running game's pretty good you know uh penny's hurt obviously but walker the rookie from michigan state is a real dude so again stopping the run and keeping 14 from beating you and 16 from beating you is is the plan and they've done a really good job of limiting the big players Mm -hmm. on opposing teams i mean what they did with aj brown last week even in a loss A.J. Brown had three catches for 32 yards on that first series and then was not heard from again. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they did a good job on him. They've done a good job on others. They, they will have their work cut out for him. Uh, here was J.J. Watt, uh, talking about Geno Smith and the strong start he's had. I mean, this guy's playing unbelievable football. I mean, I think he's number one in pass rating, number one in completion percentage in the league. Um, the guy's out there. I mean, he's not like he's throwing checkdowns either. I mean, he's throwing 50, 60 yard bombs and dropping it in the bucket and playing great football. He's putting him in good situations and he can move when he has to. I mean, he's doing an unbelievable job. So uh, it's a great challenge for us, and he's doing a really good job. Yeah, um, it, it will be a challenge. I, I also wanted to get yeah. into. Uh, I, well, I, I know you go ahead, Beck. No, 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 no. I was just going to say that it's the thing is we we've come to um, sort of expect weirdness out of these two teams, and and this game, it's everything you thought you knew about these teams. It's just kind of it's just all been kind of flipped. Yeah, the Seahawks now for for the better part of the last seven eight years, it seems like the Seahawks their weakness was always their offensive line. This year, it's not. They've drafted incredibly well. They're starting six rookies on that team, and and yet their defense seems very vulnerable. So what's going to happen? What's going to give? Is this going to be destined to be a shootout? Are, are the Seahawks incapable of being that bad on defense for the course of a season, given Pete Carroll's level of expertise? And vice versa. And vice versa. Is this the week that Geno Smith That's finally comes down to earth? And and you, you, you look at Geno Smith and you look at the his, his quarterback rating is 113. That can't last. Tyler has not had one single game of a quarterback rating over 100. No. That's and, the, put that in perspective. Yeah, so, uh, so to me, it's really just... It's it's got people tripping out because it, it, as if that Russell Wilson development weren't weird enough in the context of all of this to be watching Geno Smith play at this level to see their defense struggling, and, and then you know the, the fact that after all of this the Cardinals are actually favorites on the road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And is this I, the week knows, the Cardinals man. offense shows up? To a large degree. Yeah, and and you know what's funny? Cardinals are favored for the first time all season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's what's funny to me is that you could have a, a, a shootout might make you feel better about this offense, but this team needs to find a win, way to win this game regardless of how it is. Just get to three and three, and now you kind of you got a level playing field with the return of DeAndre Hopkins, and then they could start the season, uh, right? <laughs> no, that's at least they can they can hang on that narrative as as silly as it might be. Yeah, they can. Um, we are giving you the chance to win tickets to see undefeated international superstar Jake Paul as he takes on legendary UFC champion Anderson Silva at Desert Diamond Arena on Saturday, October 29th. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and for your chance to win. Coming up next, the first quarter of the NFL season is over. 
And this might be the time where some teams start to freak out a little bit. we got details on that next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Akchin Community Studios, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Get your price. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. That is the Friday edition, football Friday edition of Bickley Murata Mornings, live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Sarah Cazell, Jarrett Carlin with you until 10 o'clock today. Uh, this season, through three weeks, the Miami Dolphins were one of the big stories uh, of the league. They started mm-hmm. out 3-0 and uh, with a new head coach and Mike McDaniel. Uh, they beat uh, pretty established teams in the Patriots and then on the road at the Ravens, coming back in big fashion and then beating the Buffalo Bills. They're still one of the talks of the league for the last two weeks um, for different reasons. They lose on Thursday night football to Cincinnati, and they lose to Atunga Vailoa in that um, very unfortunate uh, concussion that he suffered. He's still out because of it. And then they get absolutely just boat raced by the Jets last week, 40-17. to 17. So Mike McDaniel, the head coach of the Dolphins, Bick, um, this is a funny story. The Dolphins had a ping pong table in their locker room. Apparently, the ping pong table got taken out. Uh-huh. Mike McDaniel was asked about it by the beat writers who were in the locker room every day. Hey, where'd the ping pong table go? And he said, uh, quote, uh, this is Mike McDaniel. Tyreek and the captains decided that they wanted to take a step forward with all their opponent prep with regard to the team and their preparation with our game plans in general. Uh, that, to me, is leadership. To me, leadership is acting, not talking. There's a bunch of different examples from those guys. And that's why they're captains, and that's why I rely on them, because it's about solving problems, not complaining about them. You know, like, okay, is it, a, is it a move? Is it an action? Yes. Is it a ping pong table? Yes. Is this a team maybe gripping a little bit because yes. they've lost two games? And, you know, glossing over the fact that they've lost two games because they don't have Tua Tungavailoa anymore. I mean, Tyreek Hill also told a, a beat reporter, uh, you know, when he asked about concerns about Tua not being there, he said, I'll put num- numbers up with you at quarterback. Well, you didn't exactly put up numbers with Skylar Thompson at quarterback, who's your quarterback this week. But Tyreek Hill also came out and uh, in an interview with the uh, uh, Sun Sentinel, mm-hmm. Basically refuted what yeah. Mike McDaniel said. He did. Contradicted he, him. He came out and said um, the table was removed because it had been damaged. It got bent. And that Tyreek Hill was working on getting a custom-made replacement. For okay. The locker room. All right. This is, yeah. So now you wonder, okay, what exactly is that all about? <laughs> is that the sign of trouble? Because it wasn't that long ago that that team and that player were raving about the stones on their head coach. This guy's unbelievable. He's going to need a wheelbarrow. Yeah, Remember that's, that, that's what that Tyreek Hill happened yep. to say. And, and now they're a, they're a team now in a division that they went from being the hottest team in the division to now being the coldest team in the division. Yes. The Patriots just stunned the Lions, shutting them out. The Jets, the just Jets beat have the won Dolphins. two in a row. And the Bills are, you know, the Bills are the Bills. Bills, Bills, so the I, Bills. I, I look at this and I and you just you got to ask yourself: Is this is is this the sign of panic in in Miami? It's about the time we're we're a quarter of the way through the season, a little past that. You know, we don't have sixteen games anymore. It's not easily divisible by four. So the end of the first quarter of the NFL season is somewhere in between yeah. week four and week five. So there's eight. This is the first bye week. Right. So I guess it would be after the first quarter. Yeah, this is the first bye week. So this is the team when teams that are are kind of failing, they start to grip a little bit. I'd, I'd say the Raiders are probably gripping a little bit. 
I think the Dolphins are showing signs of, of cracking a little bit. But isn't it also just bigger picture is when teams start to struggle, the pressure from the outside to refocus on jobs is crazy. We've seen it here. I remember um, it was the off season when John Skelton was the quarterback of the Cardinals, and they mm-hmm. weren't very good. Mm-hmm. John Skelton posted like vacation pictures on Twitter, and it caused this uproar. And we had an article on it that you know, on, on on ArizonaSports.com that created this uproar as well. The the Miami Dolphins again, they were the, the talk of the league. They were, you know, the darlings of the league. We're like, wow, they're back and this coach is interesting. And look at Tua, what a great story. Yeah. And they got Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I remember this. And, and now this is here's a coach saying, Well, we're starting to lose this is leadership by by our our captains to take mm-hmm. this ping pong table out to refocus. Come on. I remember the the same thing uh years ago with the Cowboys. They were struggling and during a bye week Tony Robo Tony Romo went to Cabo. Oh yeah. And there was with a Jessica whole Simpson. Yeah, right. with Jessica Simpson and it was a whole thing about yeah, not focusing, not not having your priorities straight. He was focusing on his priorities. They just weren't football no. at that time. No, imagine, imagine if having a ping pong table was so distracting that you couldn't focus on practice. Uh, like well, the people were missing drills. Oh, listen, I've, I've, covered, I've covered teams when this does happen, when there's a, something like that in the locker room and a losing streak comes, and then you walk into the locker room and the ping pong table's damaged, and you're like, oh, I, I wonder why that happened. This is not uncommon. This is the, and this is the, a sign of a team fraying. I, I talk about the Dolphins. I talk about the Raiders. The Raiders are one in four. They're With a under, new coach. The Bengals. Zach Taylor is is under some serious heat in Cincinnati. There are people not digging his play calling. They're not d- digging this where this team is going. The Steelers, they've got guys on that locker room who were yapping after. They're one and four. Now, they're we not necessarily a good team, but, about, that's, but that's weird territory for the Steelers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Bears, we know. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. Even the Packers are three and two, and there's like a lot of like weirdness and uneasiness and stress going there's, on there. Yeah, listen, there's there's weirdness about Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. How good is this kid really going to be? So this is it, it's all starting to kind of it's all starting to manifest itself right now a little bit. Well, we saw after the first three and four weeks, every team was like five hundred. We were talking about that, and now that just that extra week is sort of putting a little bit of separation of which teams are for real and not. Yeah, and I with Tua Tagovailoa still mm-hmm. on the shelf. I don't think the Miami Dolphins are for real. And they're down to their third-string quarterback, to be fair about it. And they got a tough game this week against the Minnesota team that's coming in very confident. Yeah. I mean, the Dolphins, after that start, might be going into Week 7 at 3-3. Three and three. Well, And one, they probably will yeah. be. One of the things that I did notice is that if, if you're looking for transcendent defenses, the, the NFC, the 49ers have given up 61 points in five games. That is incredible. The uh, Buccaneers have given up 83 points in five games. That's really good. The Packers have given up 96 points in five games. And the Cowboys are right there, too. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. They're, oh, they're 72 points. They've been incredible, yeah. too. So the Cowboys and the 49ers, they've been playing defense at an incredibly high level. I tell you, the 49ers, that stat yesterday, that they're number one in, in rushing defense. They, they are giving up 100 yards per game less than the Seahawks are. They're giving up 71 yards per game rushing. The yep. Seahawks are giving up 172. This is, and, and then you've got the Bills and the AFC that have been playing great defense. And a lot of people are watching this Bills-Chiefs game this weekend because we know from last year that if the Chiefs have a weakness, it's pass protecting Patrick Mahomes. And the Bills have amped up their pass rush with Von Miller and, and the likes. And 
they might they might drill Patrick Mahomes into the ground a little bit this weekend. It, it might be one of those kind of games. So that's happening. Teams and their identities and their strengths are starting to kind of emerge in the NFL. You're, you're starting yeah. to get clarity on what's what. Yeah, it was very muddy, very cloudy for the first part. Yeah. But yeah, I, right. I agree. Uh, by the way, speaking of Patrick Mahomes, and I, I just came across this this morning. This is a couple days old. Did you see the stat that Field Yates put out there on Patrick Mahomes? It's unbelievable. I, I brought it up in passing the other day, but go ahead and tell it. It's, 20, it's unreal. Since the start of 2018, yeah, that's right, you did. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is 12 and nine when facing a 10 point or bigger deficit in any game. 12 and nine, 571 winning percentage. During that span, all other NFL quarterbacks are 156 and 873, a winning percentage of 15.2. Wow, that's this, a, that's a guy that doesn't panic. That's the comeback ability of that quarterback. And the co- and the scheming and coaching. You ever of Andy- see that guy, uh, Andy Reid? Of Andy Reid? Yeah, you ever seen him? <laughs> you ever notice how it, it, Andy Reid is always the play caller when they run these great plays, and when they struggle, it's always Eric Bieniemy. Uh, <laughs> the guy who can't get a head yeah, coaching isn't, job. Isn't it amazing yeah, how, how that always works? <laughs> Maybe that's why he hasn't got a head coaching that's job. No, right. I didn't call that yeah. that interception play. I was going to hot dog. <laughs> right? Come on. If you subscribe to the Bickley and Murata podcast, subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. Never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast, brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That is higherprice.com. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell marches us through the big stories of the day with the Rush Hour reboot. That is straight ahead on this Football Friday here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Oh, the happiest of Fridays. And I really mean it. Welcome into the <laughs> Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I am Sarah Cazell, taking you through the top stories of the day with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Murata. Guten Tag. <laughs> and with Jared Carlin. Pencils are underrated. They're completely underrated. Reading is overrated. <laughs> yeah, does anyone use a good pencil anymore? It has been maybe a Bickley decade does, since I've held a pencil in my hand. They are underrated, right? You're talking about the regular wooden pencil as opposed to... Like a, a good Ticonderoga pencil. Number two. Number two. It's, if it's a wooden pencil, it's got to be a Dixon Ticonderoga. Yeah, there is no right. substitute. There is no. But there I'm, really a, is I'm, I'm a mechanical said. pencil guy. Oh, I can't stand Oh, no. They, too brittle, yeah, right? It's way too brittle. That means you guys write too hard. That's true. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they got words to slang. <laughs> Jared's very particular in his writing implements oh, when yeah. he's scratching out yeah. hieroglyphics <laughs> on his show sheet every morning. <laughs> Chicken scratch called and said, what is this? Do you think in this entire building that there's even a pencil sharpener? I believe there's one in the mailroom. Oh, there yeah. you go. Wow. Yeah. Where's the mailroom? Where's the <laughs> All right. No, that, that actually reminds me. another thing we don't really use. Do you know we have a ping pong table here? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. We do. It's, it's, would you guys focus? It's foosball, right? we got to get rid of that damn Is thing. Is it getting repaired no, right now? Actual no, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful ping pong table. Oh, okay. It's working beautifully to, uh, you know, as a holder of packages and boxes mm, right and now. And bottles Love of water. Yeah. Okay. Tremendous. All right. We can't keep getting distracted by ping pong guys. We're not the dolphins here. we got to get into the top story. 
stories of the day. Uh, we've got the Cardinals. We've got the Seahawks. In Seattle, the Cardinals have won five of their last seven there. And as Vince pointed out at the top of the show, the Cardinals are actually favored for the first time this season. FanDuel has them as a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Everyone's running backs are injured. Rashad Penny is done for the year for Seattle. Kenneth Walker is going to start in his place. And then with the Cardinals, we're expecting a lot of Eno Benjamin and Keontae Ingram with James Conner and Daryl Williams both injured. They have not officially been ruled out at this point, but they haven't practiced this week. It's They're not expected to play. So, again, a lot of Eno and a lot of Keontae Ingram. Here is Eno Benjamin with Paul Calvisi on Big Red Rage last night talking about how he went from not even dressing on Sundays to making an impact this year. I would just say um, I wasn't where I needed to be um, as far as everything, as far as my game, the way I, I took to prep, like to prepare for teams and stuff like that. Um, and then this year was just coming in with a new focus, just like it's new year, new opportunity. Um, and I, I really felt confident in what was going on and um, just that confident uh, – uh, confidence took off to a different level. But you had to earn his trust, right? Uh, definitely. And I, like I said, I think that it started with the confidence um, and knowing what I had to do um, inside, outside of my playbook and stuff like that. Um, and then also I felt very comfortable on this offseason. I spent a lot of time with Kyler. Um, and um, just uh, I felt like being able to have his trust uh, went a long way. All right, I know a lot of ASU fans in the Valley have been waiting for this opportunity for Eno. A lot of Cardinals fans have as well. What are you guys looking forward to seeing out of him on Sunday? I'm looking for a, a big game, uh, personally. Uh, it's sort of a uh, welcome to the NFL kind of moment for him. I think it's it's a good platform. I think it's where the Cardinals have to attack this defense, and I think that I think that he's got the skill to do it. I'm also interested in seeing Keontae Ingram carry the ball. I mean, it, it's uh, it's only preseason football, but from from the moment he stepped on the field, it, it, it looked like he was acclimated to the speed of the game, which is hard for running backs, especially at the very beginning. Yeah, he played at two major programs at Texas and USC, so it's it's not yeah. all that, but you're right. It is a step up to regular competition. We'll see. I think Eno can have a big game, and if he's able to do that, um, you know, maybe that's what loosens up. We talked so much this week about the, the weakness of uh, the Seattle defense, and there's a lot of them, but the run defense has been horrible. They Dead last in the league. Establish it early and loosen everything up in the passing game. We always hear that. You, you run to set up the pass in traditional football. We haven't really seen that happen yet this year. Bick, you threw out 150 plus for Eno earlier this week. I don't, I did not scoff at that. No. I just want the record to show. I, that, that's not impossible. No, certainly not. I, no, they that you could break a you could break one off on this defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are averaging 170.2 rushing yards given up. Uh, per game so far again last in the league so a nice a nice run defense to uh, come out against when you're trying to have a big game if you're you know Benjamin and Keontae Ingram all right let's take a look at Geno Smith we've been talking about the Seahawks quarterback all week one of the big pleasant surprises of the season maybe not for Russell Wilson but for the rest of us here is J.J. Watts who will be tasked with getting to Geno Smith on Sunday I mean this guy's playing unbelievable football I mean I think he's number one in pass rating number one in completion percentage in the league um, the guy's out there I mean he's not like he's throwing checkdowns either. I mean, he's throwing 50, 60-yard bombs and dropping in the bucket and playing great football. He's putting him in good situations, and he can move when he has to. I mean, he's doing an unbelievable job. So uh, it's a great challenge for us, and he's doing a really good job. As J.J. Watt just said, Geno Smith can move when he has to, but we also know that he can really throw it downfield. Who on the Cardinals' defense has the tallest task in slowing down Geno Smith on Sunday? I would say the pass rush, but it's been... 
pretty anemic. Um, so I think there's going to be pressure put on that, that back end again. And I'll, I'll go with a guy who's been fantastic to this point, Byron Murphy Jr., who's yeah. probably going to get a lot of one-on-ones against DK Metcalf. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's going to be hyped up. Yeah. Seattle crowd. Yeah. Yeah, that's um yeah, that's I think that's probably where to start. I think that's that's such a bad matchup for a lot of guys and and Byron Murphy Jr is physical if nothing else. So yeah, that I'll go with that. I like that. Yeah. All right, this is a step away from the Cardinals for a moment as Valley fave, or maybe former Valley fave, Phil Mickelson is back in the news. Ooh. Yay! He held a press conference in Saudi Arabia yesterday with the Live Golf Tour. They've got an event starting today over there. And Mickelson said a couple uh, interesting things that are making the rounds. He said when it comes to Live Golf versus the PGA Tour, he is on the winning team. Quote, going forward, you have to pick a side. You have to pick what side you think is going to be successful. And I firmly believe I am on the winning side of how things are going to evolve and shape in the coming years for professional golf. Live is trending upwards. I see the PGA Tour trending downwards. He also denied, guys, that he ever did that interview with Alan Shipnuck, which is what got him into this hot yeah. water in the first yeah. place. You know, where he kind of said, yeah, I know that their human rights record is trash, but... Did, did you hear that exchange, by the way? Yes. I, Do you have it in front of you? I have it right All right, here. let's hear it. made some comments um, about this country last year, which you've apologized for. I just wonder how you feel about now you're here. Have you changed your opinion? So, uh, I will reiterate, I never did an interview with Alan Shipnick, and I, f- I find that my experience with everybody associated with Live Golf has been nothing but incredibly positive uh, and I have the utmost respect for everybody that I've been involved with. You ever apologized uh, for a conversation (laughs) that you deny having? Right. Listen, there's a very real fear that depending on where this whole thing goes geopolitically between Saudi Arabia and the United States, that these golfers who are now aligned with Live Golf, they may be in a very, very weird situation. Okay, so there's that. That's in the air. Second of all, about Phil Mickelson, yeah, I guess he's right. He didn't do an interview per se, but he called Alan Shipnuck he knew Alan Shipnuck was writing a book and he did and he started answering questions and he didn't say this is off the record. So I don't know who's right or who's wrong here, but I am going to say this. There are a lot of political writers who are taking a lot of heat in this day and age for coming out with details in books yeah. that should have been part of the public domain months before. Yes. Okay? That's true. We've seen a lot of examples of that and people really mad about that. Yeah. Why are you sitting on this for your own gain? Alan Shipnuck did the exact opposite. He was writing a book. He got a incredible chunky detail from Phil Mickelson he said I can't sit on this this needs to be out now so so in that regard I think you, you've got to look at it that way I think that Alan Shipnuck a lot of people's like oh well you know what it, it, a lot of people think Phil Mickelson talked to him because Phil knew that book was coming out next year mm. he didn't expect this to be immediate wow but again it's it it's all right Phil's on the winning team that, that's, all figured out. that's really upward. that to me is really grotesque. And that's those, why that those words came out of his mouth. The winning team members are still all groveling for their rankings points too. Exactly. If Phil Mickelson is so dead, so you got to make your choice on what side. Then make your choice and stick with it. Yeah. And right. stop trying to dip your foot in two pools at the same time. How about it? Yeah. How about it? Well said, Vinny. Vinny Joe Golf. <laughs> Vinny Joe Links. Oh, that's a good one. Here's Murata on seventeen. <laughs> Vinny Joe putts. <laughs> wow. Well done, Ferret. Very well and done. And how. 
Uh, thank you, Sarah. Thanks, guys. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. The big stories of the day. The big story this weekend could very well come back down to quarterback play. Kyler Murray versus Keno Smith. We'll get into that and more next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Arizona Sports. It's football. Friday. Football. Friday. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Get your price. He's been throwing like that. It's not, I mean, it's fantastic that it's coming out in the game and it's a hu- they're huge plays. You know, DK had two of them, you know, two great plays. Um, and and uh, the throw to Fant was, but that, that wasn't a scramble. That was a design, you know, but still that ability... Gino can throw everything. He really, he can throw it all. And we've always seen that. And he's always had a marvelous uh, range of, you know, through the motions and, and what he can do with the football. So, um, but it's really exciting to see it happen in the game so naturally and so, you know, so comfortably for him. They wrote me off. I ain't right back, though. That's the problem. I ain't right back. Let's go. <laughs> Love that. Pete Carroll on his quarterback, Gino Smith. And that was Gino after uh, week one, that Monday night win over the Denver Broncos, the now famous... They wrote me off, but I ain't, I ain't right back. It's, su- it's such a great line that you don't even stop to think that it really makes no sense. Right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but it is, but it's just, it's, it's something you haven't heard before. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of the, that's kind of, it's fresh, Jared. And this is something we haven't really seen before from Geno Smith, unless you want to go back to the first half of his last season at West Virginia, where I remember that year he was putting up just ridiculous numbers, and I believe Dana Holgerson was still the head coach at that point, and they had this revolutionary offense, and everybody was like, oh, the Heisman race is over. It's Geno Smith, Uh and then just fell on his face, and West Virginia cratered down the stretch. But uh, what he's been has been a revelation right now. I find this interesting, though, because he's been, we talked so much about, you know, when we would look at the, the NFC West before the season, and Seattle's discussion started with, hey, Russell's not there. What have they done to fill in for that position? Yes, they traded for Drew Locke, but this quarterback battle of Drew Locke and Geno Smith inspired nobody. And now there, there still might be a battle going on, Bick. This is from uh, Pete Carroll, his weekly appearance on our sister station, Seattle Sports, with Brock and Sock, the morning show up there. Um Talking about Geno Smith, but he goes out of his way to include the guy who's the backup right now in the discussion. Is it sustainable for him? I mean, could he, no doubt. Up, could yeah. he be your long-term answer at quarterback? Oh, he's, he's doing it. He's doing everything we could ask of him right now. Um, it's, it's good, too, that he's got Drew. You know, he's got Drew nipping at his heels. Every day in practice, Drew does stuff, you know, and, and you know, he's, he's, he's got good stuff going right there in support of what, uh, what Gino does. It just keeps everybody on their toes. It's just the whole thing about competition. It's good, you know, and we like that it continues to be this way. Gino's not going to sit back now. He's not going to get comfortable. He's he he realizes the moment and he's really going for it. He's really trying to keep things at you know at bay and and the, the, whether it's the media or whatever you know he's trying to do a great job with all of that. He's going to have a chance to really have a great year in the future. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't he wouldn't you know anything get in his way. He's physically he's in really you know great shape right now. One of two things is real. Uh, Pete Carroll is telling the truth, or this mm. is total psychology yeah. from a, from a coach. Yeah. 
I think it's probably the latter. You know what I think it is? I think it's I think it's kind of proof that Pete Carroll and the Seahawks are as surprised by this Geno Smith development as everybody else happens to be. I think they I think when they brought in Drew Locke and Geno Smith, they probably suspected and expected Drew Locke to win that job. And what they've seen has been a revelation. And now I think to keep Drew Locke's spirits up, because this thing went from being a quarterback battle between two perceived very mediocre candidates, the lesser of two evils. That's what that's how everybody framed the fact fact that they were even staging a quarterback competition had all of us howling with laughter. The response was. My God, how bad is Drew Locke yeah. that he couldn't beat out yes. Geno Smith? Yes, and how and how stupid are the Seahawks to think you could stage a competition between these two guys? And now Geno Smith is the best quarterback in football. So I think what I think Pete Carroll is probably he's got to keep this kid's spirits up a little bit. Remember, remember back early on with Matt Nagy and Andy Dalton and the way he, how weird he was aligned with Andy Dalton, and it was almost like you know. He brought in a veteran and probably promised him, you're going to be my guy. You're going to be my guy. I'm sure, Pete Carroll, there was probably some of that with Drew Locke at the very beginning. Yeah, we love you, man. We love you. And so now, where do you you go with that now? Similar, in some ways, different in others, because Nagy was protecting a a high first-round pick in Justin Fields. Didn't want to throw him to the Wolves. And we're seeing now into year two that Justin Fields still might not be ready. Dalton was also a free agent. Lock they traded for, so that is true. Dalton they brought in, and remember the QB one like uh, graphic that they put on social media when they signed him. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So that got such a reaction, right? So once they did that, he sort of had to walk a line. But uh, here's another uh, alternate viewpoint on Geno Smith. Russell Wilson got hurt for the first time in his career last year with the finger injury, and Geno Smith was pressed into duty. Came in, in in a Rams game and played pretty well early. They lost that game. The next two starts, he played decently. They lost those games. His last start last year was against Jacksonville in Week 8. He went 20 of 24, 83% completions for 195 yards, two touchdowns, a quarterback rating of 128.3. But they very, very quickly rushed. Russell Wilson was not ready to play football, by the way. They rushed him back in. He started, and they lost their next three games, including the first game they got shut out by the Packers, 17-0. Remember that? Yes, they do. So maybe wow. maybe the Seahawks aired last year, <laughs> and maybe we weren't paying enough attention How last about year. That? Now he's taken his game to a different level, and I do think there's a lot of truth to that unlocking of the offense with Shane Waldron at the controls as the coordinator. They don't have to appease Russell Wilson anymore. It's not about let no. Russ cook or or the alternative of we're just going to rely on the run game. Uh, and, and Russell Wilson is going to you know, supplement that. They have every option available to them now. Their running game is really good. Their pass game's been great. This is a big challenge for the Cardinals. This yeah. this is the game. This is the game that could be a shootout. And and for the Cardinals' sake, offensively, I kind of hope it is. I think they need a breakout game. And even if it's forty five forty two. It would be it would be good for the Cardinals moving forward to have that confidence offensively. Right. 
Uh, yes, and I do think and supplement that obviously with the obvious confidence boost of returning DeAndre Hopkins and what we all hope that that, that is going to mean. But it's still you still can't get over the fact uh, Geno Smith has come out and said, "Listen, anybody who's su- surprised with this just hasn't watched me play football." Mm-hmm. This is he was thirteen and twenty one as a, as a starter. I'm sorry, as a quarterback in the NFL prior to this year, his passer rating was seventy five point seven. So, with all due respect, this is really surprising. It is but kind is of that a, tempered by the fact that he made most of those starts with the New York Jets. Well, Oops. there is that. There is that. It is beautiful though, because like you figure five weeks is about the time where he has to come back down to earth. Like the, the Cardinals might be catching him right as like that's he's cresting yeah. and it's got to he's got to have that one really bad game. Well, it's got to be coming. Yeah, and that's the narrative. Can Vance Joseph be the guy that sort of ends this quote unquote fantasy? If that's how some people are choosing to look at yep. it, uh, can you come up with a game plan, a series of pressures? Can you handle the line of scrimmage to the point where you can shut this thing down? One more stat on Geno about that the split and and his time in New York. He started thirty games as quarterback for the Jets. His rating over those 30 games, 72.4. In eight starts over three seasons with the Seahawks, uh, actually over the last two seasons, his rating is 109.1. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> so maybe it's, maybe it's the a difference. Jets thing. Maybe that's what, what was he did. He was there after Chad Pennington before Mark Sanchez. Was that the lineage? No, after, after Sanchez. After Sanchez 20, before. 2013 to 20. Before Sam Darnold. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then he went to the Giants, then he went to the Chargers, now the star quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. Well, yeah, I'm just, I'm wondering because in my mind's eye, I've always categorized him because this to me feels like what happened, what would have happened, say, had Ryan Leaf gone to the Broncos or something and then popped at the end of his career and become Peyton Manning? What if Josh Rosen? Josh Rosen? Ended up with the Patriots. Oh, right. Or ended up with a cord. Josh Rosen. I mean, get named Mike McCoy. Give him another year. He's, you know, only got a handful of teams he hasn't been on. Maybe the Patriots are next. You don't know. Uh, What if Tom Brady was drafted by the Cleveland Browns in the sixth round? Right. Right. We but, never but, would have heard of him. But in my mind's eye, I, I kind of always categorize Geno Smith as a bust. And why would I do that if he was a second round draft pick? That's weird. Oh, not a first round draft pick? Right. That's because I mean. he Because he started a lot. Okay. So he had like right. the opportunity to start, and because the Good. Jets, he got a lot of hype because it's New yeah, York. New York, okay. And he actually was eight and eight as a starter as a rookie. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Gino Smith. Gino this is your, Smith. This is your life. Coming up next, Bickley kicks off the second half of the show as he always does with the blast. It's next, Bickley and Murata Mornings, ninety-eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station.